are in a series called uh, Stay Focused, and what we're talking about uh, for the first three weeks of this series is our mission statement, and uh, I just want to read that to you real quick. As you can see here, we reach our neighborhood and surrounding community with the love of the Father. We restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and we respond to a move of God's Spirit. So if you missed Reach and Restore from the last couple weeks, you can go online and welcome to those who are watching online uh, and get caught up on that. Uh, This morning, we're going to talk about responding, about responding. Our culture, um, uh, I'm just going to speak for America, is very self-centered. You are the most important person in the whole wide world. I wrote some things down that uh, were popular this year on uh, on Google. Uh, Self-esteem, self-preservation, self-actualization, self-promotion, self-identification, self-care, Selfie sticks, okay? Uh, Self-focus and self-improvement. The self is the number one subject in all of that. And what I wrote down was, uh, to me, that equals self-absorption, self-medication, and self-destruction. That is what I've found in my ministry as I talk to different people who are so self-absorbed and self-focused. And as our culture uh, keeps pushing that, um, this is what ends up happening. We're more medicated than we've ever been in our nation's history. Uh, we're more self-absorbed and we're uh, destruct- destructing ourselves at a highest rate. And one of the things that happens with all these things is that we become reactors, We react to everything. If there's a post on social media we don't like, it angers us. We have whole industries designed around the fact that you are going to react. You're going to click on this. You're going to get upset with that. Then once you get upset, they change the algorithm and make sure that you stay upset. That first reactor is the thing that they want you to be. This is our culture. Now, your heavenly father... Good news is that he sees you like that. He sees you as a first responder. He sees you as someone who has been uniquely shaped and uniquely placed to bring encouragement, shalom, and the fruit of the Spirit into whatever situation pops up in your life, in whatever crises pops up in your life. You have been trained for that. You have the tools for that. You're not a first reactor. You were designed to be a first responder. And I started thinking about this. Um, I'm always amazed at first responders, especially firemen, uh, just because uh, I, I just, I don't think I could do it. Like, well, I'm frightened most of the time. And so uh, I could just see myself, and I was thinking about this this week, of what I would be like at the scene of a crisis as a fireman, right? I I would be a first reactor in that crisis. I'd be paid to be a first responder. I would dress like a first responder. And let me tell you something. I know this about myself. My equipment would be in pristine condition. My walkie-talkie charged 100% all the time. I'd have everything neatly ordered. I would know where everything was. And then I would arrive on the scene 
And I'd go, oh, go, my gosh. Is his leg supposed to do that? I don't think his leg's supposed to do that. It doesn't bend that way. Oh, my gosh. That's what I would do. I'd be a first reactor. I'd be like, do we have a, why don't I sit in the truck and you guys get the leg straightener that fixes that? I'm afraid of blood, right? I don't like, I don't like the sight of blood. So I would come up on a traffic accident or whatever these brave men and women do. And I'd be like, oh, I don't think, a hu do, they, do we have that much blood in us? I don't think we're supposed to, how do we get it back in to the person? Like, I can't look at it. And for some of you who are nurses and first responders and everything, you probably think, I'm such a lightweight. I am a lightweight. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. So I'd be in the basket, and they're like, okay, fire's on the fourth floor. And it'd be like, I'm like, good enough. Oh, it's good. We're good. Like six feet, I'll get it from here, you know, just get me, maybe a foot closer. I want the little bag down there, so if I fall out, I'll land safe, you know. Oh, man, this is so great, you know. I'm just like, I, I would be a first reactor. And it's, it's funny, and it's fun to think about it, and it would be funny to think of me in a fireman's outfit showing up at the scene and just basically not being able to handle myself. But Christians... And I'm going to speak to Christians mostly. If you're not a Christian, we welcome you here. You're, we say you can belong to our tribe, no problem. Isn't it sad? Wouldn't that be the saddest thing? If I show up to the scene, all trained and all ready to go, and I react instead of respond. We do it all the time. Christians being in the workplace... And you get passed over for a promotion. Whoa, this isn't fair. I've been here for 12 years. I can't believe this. And the gossip starts. Or you get a new boss. Or things don't go the right way with management or senior management or the warehouse or whatever it is. And we just react and react and react. We see something on social media and we, we decide, oh, I'm so upset. And you start typing your response and we click send and we reacted. And that's so sad. Because you haven't been designed to be a first reactor. You were designed, trained, uniquely shaped, and uniquely placed to be a first responder. To bring shalom, to bring healing, to bring the fruit of the Spirit into the place that you were set in. We get so upset so fast because our culture says, you deserve. That's not fair. And the Word of God and the Spirit of God are there to help you respond well. In your home, in your relationships. I know people, and if this is you, don't, I'm not coming down on you. But I just know people who've been long-term Christians. They've been Christians for years and years and years. And they were in a small group, and they got offended. And they just left. And again, if that's you, I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry, you know, I, the church can be that way. It's filled with people, and people are lame. I mean, I'm just, I hate to break the news to you. But that's a reaction. That's not, that's not being a first responder. That's not being someone that says, okay, I'm in my small group. I got some wacky people. Okay, how, how do we bring shalom? How do we bring restoration? How do we bring healing? 
We just get so upset. We get a bill in the mail. Oh, my goodness. I can't, we don't, can't afford that. I, can't, I don't know if we're going to be able to live. How are we going to get? That's a, re, that's a first reactor. This is a first responder, and that's what we are called to do. So what I want to do this morning is look at some reactions and look at some things in the book of Matthew. And then we're going to jump to um, uh, Corinthians. And we're going to look at a section of scripture we just looked at in August, but we're going to look at it with a little different lens, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. Uh, so Jesus is kind of towards the end of his ministry, and as he was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, and this is just amazing, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, which are like, we knew that. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. So here, here's, here's just to give you an idea of where Jesus is, where they are, and what this would feel like for you and I. Basically, he's on his way somewhere. He pulls them all aside, and basically it would be like if I were at a party or something, and I got my closest people with me, and I pulled them out into the backyard, and I said, hey, I want you to know I have stage four cancer, and it doesn't look good. And I, I probably only have a few more weeks to live, right? That, that would be kind of the thing. What he's telling them is, it's not going to go well for me at all. And watch what happens next. There you go. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request to him. So he basically tells them he's going to die. And, and here's what, what happens. He said to her, what do, you, what do you wish? What do you want? And she said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine, by the way, parents, at some point you got to let them go, okay? These are grown men, all right? Okay, that was just a little side note there. Command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. Okay. So here's how it would go down. I bring all my buddies together, closest people, family, friends. I say, hey, I got, I got about two weeks to live. I have stage four cancer. And someone goes, hey, can I get your guitar? Like, right? Like Jesus just says he's going to die. And they're just like, oh, hey, that's, that's really cool. Sorry about the death and everything. But I was wondering when your kingdom comes, could you, could you do this for them? Now, if anyone has a reason to react, it would be Jesus. If anyone has a reason to go, are you kidding me? I don't know what her name is. She's the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So apparently, I don't know, we'll call her Susie. Susie, are you kidding me? Like, really? First of all, you got these two grown men. Why, why can't they just come talk to me? And didn't, did you guys hear what I just said? Nobody cares? No, Jesus doesn't react. Jesus responds. He's always in the moment. He's always in the kingdom. He always is listening to his heavenly father. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't do anything his heavenly father doesn't tell him to do. And he doesn't say anything his heavenly father doesn't, doesn't want him to say. So I could picture, I don't think, I don't know if this happened or not, but I could picture him going, okay, let's go on. Here's what he says. You don't know what you're asking. This is the perspective of the kingdom. 
The perspective of the kingdom is that, and the reason we don't react is because we come with the assumption that we're all broken. And we're all going to make mistakes, and we're all going to be, be offended. We're all going to be stepped on to some extent. We're all going to be, there's going to be someone wrong that's loud next to us. Loud and wrong is a bad combination, right? That's what the internet's for. And so, like, we could have that, and we say, oh, you know what? You, you, don't, you don't know. You don't know what you're asking, right? Remember when Jesus was on the cross? He's there. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. Why? Why? They don't, they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. See, that's, that's a first responder. If you're a fireman, right, and you show up to the scene at a traffic accident, your job is not to go, okay, so who, who's at fault here? What happened? Who was in the wrong? Who wrote, did someone run a red light? I, we can't do anything until we find out who's right and who's wrong. No, no, no. They just go, there's a problem here. And we're the ones who come and try to bring shalom. That is our command as followers of Jesus. And so he says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Like the, what I just said, like just a sentence ago. Can you do that? And they we can, they said. Then why is your mom talking to me? No, not, okay, not, uh, that's, not, that's not what he said. No, that's not what he said. Do you know why? Because he's not a first reactor. He's a first responder. He says, we can. He's like, okay, okay. Jesus said to them, you, you will drink from my cup. And I, I, don't know what, I don't know what it looks like with Jesus in the kingdom. I know that that Jesus is God in the flesh, and so I don't know how it works out that he knows the future and all that. I, mean, I believe he does, but I, like, I don't know if he had to take a moment and, and commune with his heavenly father, and he pictures each one of his disciples being martyred for the faith. He sees each one of them taking on the ministry, feeding widows, taking care of orphans, establishing the church, and he t- takes a moment to think like, yeah, you will. You will. He says, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom I uh, have been prepared by my Father. In other words, there, guys, this is so much bigger than this thing you're talking about. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than your offense. It's so much bigger than your distractions. It's so much bigger than this thing that happened at work and happened in your marriage. You aren't a first reactor. And so here's what happens. <laughs> the 10, the, the, so the two come with mommy and mom. And, uh, and when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant. They're first reactors at this point. I can, can you believe it? They, they were, one of them was texting the other, can you believe this guy? mind-blown emoji. I don't know what he's doing. They're just like, oh, I can't believe this. See, what happens when you're indignant is that you have a sense of moral superiority and it actually releases endorphins. It actually releases dopamine. It's just like feels awesome to be outraged a little bit because you know you're right and it feels good to be right. Now this I don't want to geek out too much on the Bible, even though I love geeking out on the Bible, but this word indignant is used three other times in the Bible. All in the same contest except for one. 
And so they were indignant. They can't believe it. How could, oh, I would never have my mom come to Jesus, especially right after he said he was going to die. Oh, my goodness, this is the worst thing in the world. First reactor, right? This happened with the Pharisees. They were indignant, same Greek word. Jesus was going into uh, the... Um, uh, on the triumphal entry, and he's riding gentle on a donkey, right? Completely flipped upside down. The kingdom of God, meek is not weak in the kingdom of God. And so he comes in on, gentle on a donkey. And the Pharisees saw that people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they were indignant. How dare? I don't even know how to get past all this. Oh, this is terrible. One time, uh, Jesus was, um, we had talked about this uh, um, story a couple weeks ago where Jesus was lying at the table and a woman anointed his uh, feet with perfume. Well, in another account, when she anointed his feet with perfume, the uh, people there were indignant. You could have used that for the poor. It's like there's always some moral, moral superiority with being indignant. It makes us feel better than, greater than, because we're not like that. But there's another time that this word indignant is used. And it's used, Jesus was indignant. So that got me thinking, like, well, what in the world? If, if, if maybe it was Jesus, a first reactor? Like, is my whole sermon thrown away because Jesus, because somebody offended Jesus and he had to become indignant? No. You know the time when Jesus was indig indignant? Now, what? You'd say, oh, well, probably when he overturned the tables. Right? He probably, that, that was, he seemed really angry about that. Uh, you know, was it when, you know, when they were, uh, the, the woman caught in adultery and he looked out over these people and he's like, you bring this woman to me. You guys are all sinners. God, I'm so upset. No, 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 no. The only time this is used with Jesus was when they tried to keep the little kids away from him. They tried to, it was like, hey, hey, we're, we're. We're here in church right now, and we're trying to hear the word. We're trying to hear what Jesus has to say. Get these kids out of here. And it says Jesus was indignant. And he said, those little kids are going to be able to stay in the service. They're going to be able to stay with us. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those such as these. So they were indignant, and Jesus calls them together. Guys, come, come, come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Pulls them together. Again, remember, he pulled them together and said I was going to die. And apparently that didn't have anything to do with anything for them. They just went on. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. You know that culture says you're number one. You know that those in power want to stay in power. You know that the things that the world finds so important, they abuse. Right? You know that. Their high officials exercise authority over them. So he's just picking one example of just like, hey, you know, you know what happens when you're not operating in the kingdom? It doesn't work right. And then he says these great four words. And they're four words that we can remember as we get that bill that might be unfair, as we lose an election that we thought we were going to win, as we so read something on the internet that somebody wrote, and how dare they, and we just get into all this nonsense. He says this, not so with you. You are a first responder. You are not a first reactor. You do not respond that way. You do not 
look at these systems as having great value. No, 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 no. You've been uniquely shaped and uniquely placed and uniquely trained to bring shalom, to bring restoration, and to bring healing into those situations. You do not have the luxury of reaction. You don't have the luxury to go to the bodies on the ground and go, okay, who, which one of you ran the red light? Because we're going to go help those other people first. You don't have that luxury. God's called you to just respond with the fruit of the Spirit, not so with you. And again, I don't mean to come down on Christians. Um, you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus right now, you're just like, whew, man, I'm so happy. <laughs> like, right? like, I don't mean to come after you, but we've got to get this figured out. We, we've got to get to a point where just these little disruptions in our lives, and maybe it's a big disruption. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a kid who's, who's acting the fool. But all these different things, that, that's, I understand that. But we've got to get to a place where our first response is, okay, Lord Jesus, what have you created me to do in this context? He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then he says this crazy, crazy statement that if you're a follower of Jesus, this has got to be a heavy load upon you. Just... As the Son of Man did not come here to get his way, to be served, but to serve, but to respond, but to be a source of healing and shalom and restoration, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is our model. Jesus is our model for this. That's why we say in our vision statement, we respond to a move of the Spirit. Because that move of the Spirit can be our church collectively, which is why we take care of the community as well as we do. Because we believe the Spirit of God has called us to bring healing and restoration to that. And then also individually, we, you're going to go out tomorrow to work or to whatever, or you're going to get on social media, and it's going to hit you. There's going to be a crisis. There's going to be an offense. There's going to be someone who says stuff that you just totally disagree with. And you're going to want to act a certain way. And in the back of your mind, I hope you hear your Holy Spirit going, not so with you. Not so with you. So I'm going to give you a, a quick example of where this came from and uh, well, how Jesus played this out. So he tells them, uh, I, I, I've called, I, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but uh, to serve, and that's so with you. So in John chapter 20, he's risen from the dead, right? And he, he shows up in the upper room, they're praying, he scares them, right? And, like he just pops into the room like, like a ghost or something, but it's not, it's like him. And he does that. And he says, peace be with you. Right? Peace be with you. And then he makes this incredible statement. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Everywhere you go, every situation you're in, your job is to be Jesus there. Your job isn't to react and say, I, uh, your job isn't to get flustered. Your job isn't to get overwhelmed. Your job isn't to do exactly what 
our culture says to do, demand your rights. It's to be, as the Father said, there's nothing clearer than this. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then what he does is awesome. He says this, and with that he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is so exciting. He didn't say, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you, you're on your own, good luck. Hope it all works out. Hope you learn a bunch of stuff and then you're really good at it. Right? No. He says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And, and for us that they didn't have at this time, we have the word of God as well. It wasn't written when, when the disciples were there. And so we, we get that too. So going back to this, just to get an idea, I just wanted to show you a couple things about this. And uh, one is, uh, so I have a bunch of firemen friends. Uh, they're 10 times more manly than me. And uh, one of them was telling me this is a fog pattern. And what the fog pattern does is it blows the smoke away. Because what you don't want to do is just shoot the fire hose in to where this, like, there's all this smoke, and the fire is actually over here, right? So they do this fog pattern, they blow the smoke away, and then they put the wet stuff on the red stuff, okay? That's what they do. And so this is a fog pattern. But the other thing you don't see here is all the other firemen and firewomen, I don't know what we say, fire people, um, uh, that sounds like a cult, not fire people, but just whatever we say, um, they're all to have other jobs. So it's not like everyone shows up with a fire hose and then goes to their little places and shoots water. You got people monitoring gauges. You got people communicating. You got people like watching the thing to make sure no one comes in that shouldn't come in. All these different things. Listen, that, that is your role. You have a certain role when a conflict arises, when a crisis arises. It might not be to solve the problem. It might just be to bring a word of encouragement because that's the way God has shaped you and made you. You say, John, I'm afraid of making a mistake. Listen, you will. You will make mistakes. There's no way around it. And then you'll learn. All these firemen that I talked to, they said, when I got to my first fire, as much as I was trained, much as I was overwhelmed. My first traffic accident, I was overwhelmed. I'm like, was their leg shooting out? Because that's how I picture it, right? Listen, I'll, t I'll just give you a little th a word of encouragement. So you, all of me, most of you know my story. Uh, I, I was in business, and then I got a church. Like, one day, I was in my cubicle writing database stuff, and then the next day, I was preparing for a sermon. That's how fast my call, my, I knew I was called to ministry for a long time, but that's what it felt like. And so um, on a Sunday morning, we, um, the phone rang in the office and uh, I picked it up, which I, there's so many mistakes in the story. You won't even, you won't even believe, you're, you will run out the door screaming. So I pick up the phone and this woman is crying and she says, um, you know, we're, we're going to get kicked out of our motel and we need money for the motel and I've got two kids and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, hot diggity. I get to be a first responder. I get to fix all of their problems like a real pastor is supposed to do. And so I go, <laughs> I go into petty cash because um, we had this little fund called Good Sam, and I pull out some cash, and I write a little note, like, hey, you know, 
you know, I took 60 bucks, you know, Pastor John. I put it in an envelope, and I show up at this motel. And uh, I, I'm going to, this is awesome. Like, we're doing it. We're doing ministry. We're doing it. This is so fun. And so I show up, and uh, I, go, I walked into the motel, and it was like, um, okay, so I, I didn't know this at the time, but there are different motels. <laughs> like, I'd only been to, like, the Marriott. <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, so I walk into this motel, and it has a courtyard two-story, and uh, everybody's gathered in the courtyard. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it's a friendly bunch. Like, I've never been to a motel where everybody's just all hanging out, just talking to each other. This is, like, kind of, this is kind of cool. And then, um, apparently, I didn't fit in. So, I walk halfway through, and I realize, oh, man, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. So, I knock on the door. The woman opens the door. She was telling me about her husband and her kids. There's no husband. There's no kids. It's just her. And, and she's, it, it looked like she was dressed to go out. <laughs> Anywho, all of a sudden I realize I'm a pastor of a church. I got an envelope full of cash. I'm in a shady motel. I'm, this is it. I lasted a week. <laughs> I was a pastor for a week. It was a good week. I really liked it. I wonder if I can get my old job back, right? You pick a mistake that you can think of as a first responder representing Jesus, I've made it. I've made all of them. I've made all of them in spades, right? That's not, your mistakes aren't the problem. The problem is, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to go, no, not so with me. I'm not going to be a first reactor. I'm going to be a first responder. Because if you can, you start getting better and better and better. You know where the hoses are. You know what your role is. You go, oh, yeah, I tried that before. I'm terrible at that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you find your place. Here's the section of Scripture I was talking to you about that we talked about in August. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. You don't have to manufacture them. When Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he was, they were receiving their gifts of the Spirit. They were receiving the fruit of the Spirit. They were receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But uh, there is different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at what? Work. Not reaction. Not talk. The same God at talk, at posting, at whatever. No, the same God at work. And then this is one of my favorite verses in the whole entire Bible. Now to each one, every single one of you that's a follower of Jesus, every single one has been given a manifestation, an appearance of the Spirit given for the common good. You are a first responder. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. It's, it, it just happens. But to the extent we can keep that identity not so with you, you are not a first reactor, then we begin to grow in him. We begin to see, you know what? My rights and my perspective and my self-esteem and my self-preservation and my self-definitions and my self, 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 all of that is just leads to self-absorption, 
self-medication, and self-destruction. He says, there's one through the Spirit is given a message of wisdom. You might show up at, at, at the scene, at your work, and you have something wise to say. To another, a message uh, of knowledge in the same Spirit. By some others, faith in the same. Others, gift of healing. You might have that, a gift of healing that you've never even known about because you've never even tried. And then he goes on to these other ones, miraculous powers and prophecy and distinguishing of spirits and uh, another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still other, the interpretation of tongues. Here's the point of 1 Corinthians. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one. Each one of you is a first responder. If you are watching online and you are trying your best to follow Jesus, you are a first responder. And he has given you certain gifts. He has shaped you uniquely. He has placed you uniquely. He's empowered you uniquely. As the worship band comes up, we're going to end with this final uh, scripture. It's in 1 Peter, and you can imagine Peter was in that group of the 10 that was indignant, okay? <laughs> Peter at one time was indignant. Peter at one time got reacted. He didn't respond. He reacted and cut somebody's ear off, right? Okay, so here, here's what it, Peter says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. That's your focus in life. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, you were uniquely shaped, uniquely placed, and uniquely empowered. There is no time and no room to be first reactors. Not so with us. Not so with us. We're first responders, and we bring healing, Restoration and shalom to those situations that we have come into contact with. We're going to end on a song, and uh, we open up the, the altar here. If you want, we have some pillows down here. And for some of you, uh, you might be going through a really big situation right now. And I don't mean to minimize that and say just buck it up and uh, be a first responder. It, it, some, some things are really, really hard. You might want to come up and just kneel and pray and go, Lord, help me. I don't even know what, what my role is in this situation. Is my role to be quiet? Is my role to speak up? Is my role to try to bring peace? Maybe you just ask him. He's distributed his gifts to you, each one, as he desires. And maybe for you, you uh, have some regrets. You know, he tried to help or you, maybe you lashed out. You know, you, you, you reacted, and you just want to come ask the Lord for forgiveness. Some, we have uh, people praying at the cross, and maybe there's a thing you want specific prayer for. We'd love to pray for you for that, too. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful that you use us, that you love us, that you've empowered us. And Lord, we pray that we... Going into this week, we would see ourselves, mistakes, lack of training, whatever, warts and all, that we are first responders and not first reactors. And we can at least begin 
to start with a change of perspective. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing. And before I let you guys go, um, I don't know if you know this, but we have a couple other churches that we ran to. And one of them is the Seventh-day Adventist Church that meets on Saturday. And last week was their last week. And um, they had me come so they could pray a prayer of blessing over our church. And the entire congregation moved out of their seats and placed their hands on these walls so that the pastor could lead that congregation in a prayer of blessing over our congregation. That's the kingdom of God. Amen? That's the kingdom of God. So we're excited for them. They're moving to their own facility, and uh, we were a good landing place for them for a while. But uh, we just, uh, it was really beautiful. I'll, I'll try to post some stuff on social media. All right. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His name.